tis the season, right? And it's all about the person of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, did, um, let me just get a show of hands. How many, how many of y'all are wearing something that you got for Christmas this morning? Raise your hand. And some of y'all didn't have a very good Christmas. I've got, a, I've got a new watch. It's one of those Apple watches. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And like mine has got Toy Story on the front of it. I don't know why. Um, I don't know how to run this watch. If it beeps, I, I don't know what to do, all right? If, so if it beeps, you hear it beep, so be it, right? Maybe God telling me something. But uh, I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. It's a joy of mine to be able to come and preach. My name is Rick Swing, if you don't know who I am. I'm the executive pastor here. Our pastor, Kenneth, he is on vacation up seeing their families up in Lexington, Kentucky. And um, they'll be back with us here soon. So it's a pleasure to be here with you. When I think of Christmas, I always get excited, right? <clears throat> it's a time of joy, a time of fun. When I think back about my Christmases, a couple of them stood out. I grew up in the Midwest. And in the Midwest, we oftentimes would have snow for Christmas, right? But unlike what some people think, you don't get snow every Christmas. And so I'll never forget living in Frankfort, Indiana. Uh, we went to bed that night, and I was probably a 7th or 8th grader, I'm thinking, 7th or 8th grader. And um, we went to bed that night, and there was no snow on the ground, none. Got up the next morning, and the one first thing I noticed was how bright everything was coming through my window. I mean, it was like bright. And I'll never forget walking out into the living room where the Christmas tree was and where our Christmas tree was, was sitting on the back side of that was this big picture window. And outside that window, it had snowed a foot, 12 inches of snow, and there wasn't a single step in that snow. It was like a big cloud just out there. And the one thing I remember is really the gifts became secondary, right? We couldn't wait to get outside and enjoy a white Christmas. But when I think of toys, I've shared this years ago, my favorite all-time gift, I was about seven or eight years old, and it was, uh, we were at my grandmother's house in Francisville, Indiana, which is the northern part of Indiana. And um, um, I got something that I cherished. It was a, and I meant to bring, because I got a, a set of these not too long ago, about two years ago. But it was a pair of Chuck Taylor Converse All-Stars. Now today, they got all kind of basketball shoes, right? Back then, that was the only basketball shoe you had. And I'll never forget getting those things. And I literally took them to bed with me every night for about two weeks. I would smell the little rubber on the backside of that shoe, and they had little stars on the backside of that shoe. And I just dreamt about one day I could be a basketball player. Well, that came true. But those shoes today, probably of all the gifts I ever got in my life, those Chuck Taylors, I always will remember. There's a story in the scripture this morning that I can't wait to share with you. If you're listening online, thank you for being here, uh, listening to us. And I want you to know that uh, in the comfort of your home, my prayer is that the scripture passage we read today will make a difference in your life as well. But it's a scripture passage that I've never heard anybody preach on. And it's in Luke chapter 2, so if you would, I want you to go to Luke chapter 2, and it's the story of the birth of Jesus. And I know we read that story all the time, but I don't think we can get tired of reading that story, amen? 
We never get tired of reading that story. And I'm going to read that story one more time, but the verse that I'm going to concentrate on will be verse 19. And we'll get there, and I'm going to share about it. So let me just read the story of the birth of Jesus one more time. Luke chapter 2. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Let me stop there. If you ever get a chance to go to Israel, Bethlehem is not a a sprawling metropolis, okay? It's a little town there in Israel. And back then, it was even smaller. Let me see where I was. Let's see what they call Bethlehem. Because he was in the house of the family line of David. Verse 5. To be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough or a manger, because there was no room for them at the lodging place. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news or good tidings of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened with the Lord, what the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16, they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. Let me just stop there for a second. So let me kind of sum up what we just read. So back then, um, There was this king and um, Caesar Augustus who ruled over the Roman Empire and also ruled over the known world at that time. And I want you to know, here's the interesting thing. Caesar Augustus did exactly what God had intended for him to do. Now, I want you to think about this. So how would a pregnant woman who is close to giving birth to a baby and her husband, who she's going to be married to, Why in the world would they take the trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem? And there was a purpose in this. So if you go to Israel and you you drove from Nazareth to Bethlehem, it's about 70 miles. So for us in a car, it's going to take about an hour and 15 minutes to get there. But for somebody back then that didn't have cars, they either walk or rode a donkey, right? So I want you to think about it. Ladies, if you were nine months pregnant or close to being nine months pregnant, would you make that trip? It's a no, right? There is no way you're going to make that trip, those 70 miles riding on the backside of a donkey. It's not going to happen. 
I don't care what, what, what Joseph would have said, right? I mean, he could, have be, he could have promised her the world, and she's going, I'm not getting on that down can. I'm not driving for the next three days down to get down to Bethlehem. It's not happening. But I want you to know God had a plan. 700 years earlier, 700 years, the prophet Micah said this in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. He says, And thou, Bethlehem, though you are little among the provinces of, in Judah, yet out of you, out of thee, shall come he whose goings forth has been from everlasting. Micah, the prophet, said there that there's going to come a day in which Bethlehem, in the city of Bethlehem, the city of David, that the future Messiah who's going to save the world is going to be born. How in the world are you going to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem? God had a plan, right? That's right. Caesar Augustus decided, I'm going to make a decree, and everybody's going to go have to register. So they didn't have a choice. They made their way from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem. And also in this scripture passage I thought was interesting is here's this angel. So here's Mary. She, she in chapter 1 has a visit from the angel Gabriel and Gabriel tells her everything that's going to happen to her. We get to chapter 2 and they're making their way down to Bethlehem. And in the process, just in fields not too far away, there's these shepherds. Now we think, theologians think, that these were the temple shepherds of Jerusalem. So what they would do, they had these flocks, and every morning and every night, they would offer an unblemished lamb for sacrifice. So here's the temple shepherds shepherding the flock of these unblemished lambs. And how cool is it in God's providence that this angel would show up to these shepherds who are fielding their, their, their sheep at night and tell them that the future Messiah, the unblemished lamb who's going to die for the world, is being born. So they made their way down to Bethlehem as well. And then we come to verse 17. And let me re read verse 17 and 18 and 19. So after seeing them, meaning the, the shepherds, they reported, seeing the shepherds, after seeing them, the angels, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed. Now, that doesn't mean they were saved, or unsaved when they, when they shared the message. just said they were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Verse 19, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Never heard anybody preach on this, on this scripture passage. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating upon them. The Greek meaning for the word treasure, or in some translations, it maybe says pondering in there. The meaning is to preserve something from being lost or forgotten. See, Mary was treasuring all these things that was happening so that she would never forget what it meant or how it felt. She wanted to hold on to these memories as long as she could. Now, I know you women are really good at this. Us men are not. But when we get around our kids and we talk about the old times, you know, I know my kids took their first step, right? I mean, they're, they're running and, and, you know, they're older. I can't remember when they took their first step. Right? I can't picture in my mind where I was when they took their first step. I know my kids can talk, but I can't remember 
when they did, they said their first word, when they said daddy for the first time, or they said mommy for the first time. I know they did, but I can't remember that today. Now, Linda's good about that stuff, but I'm not. And maybe Mary is here and she was pregnant and maybe she's back in Nazareth during her pregnancy and maybe the, 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 the mothers of the town got together and they were excited for Mary. And maybe they were saying things like, you know, they grow up real fast. <laughs> it won't be long before they become this infant before they're a teenager. They grow up way too fast. So treasure every moment you get along the way. And here is she, Mary. And everything is hustling and bustling around her. And she's trying to treasure these things when everybody else is hustling and bustling. So what are the things that maybe Mary was pondering? Now, we don't know for sure. It's not written the things that she was pondering. But I can imagine maybe a few things she was pondering. Maybe she was pondering that, why me, right? I'm just this... I'm not wealthy. I don't come from this, this family that everybody knows. Why me? Maybe she was pondering in that, in that stall where these animals were and her baby was lying in a manger, Jesus. Maybe she was going, why me? Why did God choose me over everyone else? Maybe she was pondering, how did we actually get into the stable, Right? Joseph, what's going on here, man? At least you could have found me a nice room. Maybe she's pondering how they actually got to this point. Maybe she's pondering and enjoying the fact that Joseph stood by her side through all of this. There's a point in time that he was going to divorce her. Hadn't been married yet, but back in those times, when they got engaged, it was like they were married. It's just they didn't have relations. And maybe she was pondering, how cool is it that my future husband has stood by my side through all of this? Maybe she was pondering all the stories from these shepherds who were out in the fields and the angels that came and the angels that sang. Maybe she was pondering all those things, treasuring all these things. Whatever she was treasuring or pondering, She never wanted to lose those thoughts on down the road. She wanted to hold on to those things. So I began to think, so if Mary, in the midst of everything that was going on, took the time to stop and to treasure these things, to ponder on these things, to meditate upon these things, what are we supposed to ponder? What are we supposed to treasure during this time of the season? Is it the gifts that we get? I tell you flat, the answer is no. Because it'll just be another gift in another year. Is it the fact that we all gather together? It's cool, it's great, and we build memories, but really the answer is no. So what is it that we, as followers of Jesus, what is it that we should ponder and think about and not to forget along the way? I want you to go back up to verse 10 in Luke chapter 2. So here's the shepherds. They're out in the fields. They're terrified. And the angel said to them in verse 10, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy 
that will be for all the people. Today, a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you in the city of David. I think there's three things that the angel proclaimed to the shepherds in a field. I think these three things are the things that we as followers of Jesus, these are the things that we should treasure, that we should look upon and go, I don't ever want to forget what this means in my life. And here's the first one. We should treasure always the good news. That good news, really it means the proclamation of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now most of us in here know that message. And most of you watching online, you know that message as well of Jesus. But maybe there's someone out there, or maybe there's someone here who doesn't understand quite what that message, that, that proclamation of the gospel message of Jesus really means. The central truth of the gospel is that God provided a way of salvation for us through the gift of his son to this world. In other words, because of my sinful nature in life, there is no way for me to get to a perfect, holy heaven and have this relationship with a perfect, holy God unless God did something about it. When Jesus came into the world, he came not just to live, but he came to die. See, he suffered and died as a sacrifice for our sin. That's part of the good news. I know it sounds horrible, but we needed a perfect lamb that would be slaughtered, a perfect lamb that would shed its blood for our sins. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He suffered and he died as a sacrifice once and for all for our sin. He overcame death and he rose from the grave on that third day. We'll celebrate Easter here in a few months. And what do we celebrate at Easter? We celebrate his resurrection. That he's no longer in a grave. There's no dust in this grave from him. He's alive and he's well. And he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me. He overcame death and he rose from the grave. And part of this good news is that he offers eternal life to all who put their trust and belief and faith in him. I don't know where everyone stands in relation to who Jesus is. And it's more than just understanding that he went to a cross and he died for my sin, and he was buried, and he rose again, there has to be this conviction in your heart that says, without that, I have no hope. That I can't get to heaven on my own. I cannot be good enough to get to heaven on my own. I needed, some, I needed God to do something along the way that would bridge the gap between himself, holy, and me, who's a sinful man. Y'all, that is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Two of my favorite verses in all the Bible. The first one is the first one I ever learned. And that was John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Now you may be sitting there and going, you don't know what I've done, Rick. I've done all this stuff. There's no way that a holy God could love me. And by the way, I've heard that said to me in prisons across America. 
going into a prison and sitting down with an inmate and the inmate telling me, you know what, Rick, that's great and fine and dandy, but I want you to, there's no way that this holy God would forgive me for what I've done. He may forgive you, but he wouldn't forgive me. And it is not the truth. For God so loved the world, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He loved us all that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him, would put their faith and trust in him, would not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Everlasting life. It's a promise. If I just put my faith and trust in Christ, the scripture says that I have everlasting life. That's how much God loves me in spite of what I am, a sinner. God had a plan through his son Jesus. That was the good News, Romans 5, 8 says, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died. He died for you and I. Right? He died 2,000 years ago. You weren't even born yet. And yet he, his death on the cross was for my sin today and for my future grandbabies for their salvation. What more could God have done I mean, think about it. What more could God have done in heaven to restore mankind? He paid the ultimate price. He gave his only son and said, this is enough. Cost a lot, but it's enough. And I want you to know his son who went to the cross in my place, that, y'all, is worth treasuring. Everybody understand me? That is worth treasuring. It's worth pondering. It's worth meditating on. Don't let us ever forget during this season that it's not about the gifts. It's about the gift. The gift of Jesus Christ into this world. So we want to treasure the good news that we have. The second thing we want to treasure is the great joy the great joy that my life, because of that good news, has genuine hope. Do we need hope? All right, we're in a year like we've never seen before. And I hate to tell you this, I don't want to break your bubble, but uh, the beginning of 2021, it's going to look like it is right now. We need hope. What do I have hope in because of this good news in my life? Number one, I have a hope that my life has been made new in Christ. You get a new start. You get a new start. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things, not just some things, all things have become new. Now, wouldn't it be cool to get do-overs every now and then? You know, you're in a job, and your boss has just been hammering you, hammering you, and you just couldn't take it any longer, Right? You had to tell him what you really thought. And in the midst of doing that, you're going, man, I wish I could take that back, you know? Or you're, you're, you're in this discussion with your wife, right, men? You're in this discussion with your wife. And, and you get frustrated, and, and all of a sudden, you blurt something out, and don't you wish you'd just take that back? Right, men? Am I the only one? No. I wish I could do a, have a do-over, Right? 
There was many ball games I played, and, and, and I'm going, man, I just wish I had a do-over just that before that last time out. Man, I just wish I had another opportunity. Well, how cool is it that the hope that we have through the gospel message of Jesus is that I get to have a do-over in my life? The Apostle Paul, he was the best or one of the best second-chance stories, right? So in your Bibles, I want you to turn to the right, and I want you to go to Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22 is the testimony of the Apostle Paul. I won't read through the whole thing, but before he was named Paul, this guy was named Saul. And Saul had a reputation that was beyond none. He was learned, he was smart, he was a zealot, he was just a zealot for the wrong things. He's on his road, he's on, he's on the road going to Damascus where he is um, going to bring people back who have been arrested, who are part of the way, all right? That was followers of Jesus. And in verse 7, it says, I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So on this trip to Damascus, to take people who have been in prison, taking them back so we can put them on trial. In the midst of that, he hears a voice. Saul, man, what are you doing? What are you doing, Saul? Why are you persecuting me? Verse 8, he says, I answered, who are you, Lord? Are you the Lord? Are you the one that I've been persecuting? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. Verse 10, then I said, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go in Damascus, and there you will be told about everything that is a sign for you to do. Saul is on the verge of a new beginning. He's on the verge of a do-over. And listen, if anyone didn't deserve a do-over, it was, it was Saul. He was an enemy of the cross of Christ, all right? He was going after Christians. He oversaw people being stoned, Stephen. He was given license to that. He was a man who was an enemy of Jesus Christ in the church. This is not a guy that we pick on our team, right? He's not a guy who says, man, I want Saul. No, he's left to the sideline. Because he's not your friend, he's your foe. This is a guy who didn't deserve the do-over, right? But John 3, 16, for God so loved who? The world, the good, the bad, the ugly. And so he's on this road and Jesus calls out to him. And look down here in verse 14. Then he said, talking about Ananias who met him, the God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear the sound of his voice. For you will be a witness for him to all people, all people, of what you have seen and heard. And then he says, and now, why delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins by calling on his name. Saul got a do-over. Got a new name. And by the way, he got a new job. And his new job was to take this gospel message, this good news, to everyone who would hear. And that's exactly what Paul did. 
My life has been made new in Christ. That's my great joy. And here's the other one, that this world is only temporary. This world that you and I live in is only temporary. In John 14, 3, Jesus says, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you, us, maybe also. Jesus says, if I'm going to go and prepare heaven for you, I'm doing that because when I come back and get you, you're going to be with me. In other words, Rick, the place that you're living in now, this is not really your home. Because we have all of eternity to think through. All of it. Not just this temporary part of it. The Bible says that you and I, we're sojourners, we're foreigners, we're aliens in this foreign land. And as a believer, this is not, hear me, this is not your home. But you know what we do? We spend every dime making this our home. And by the way, you know, I'm living in a home that's about 45 years old, 50 years old. Somebody lived in it before I did, right? And you know something? Somebody's going to live in it, what? After I'm gone. It's temporary. The car I drive, it's nice. I get 35 miles a gallon. It's great. But you know what? I'll probably sell it in a couple years somebody else's car. It's temporary. This world is temporary. I'm a foreigner living here. I should be thinking through what it means because of this hope I have in Jesus through that gospel message that my hope is in eternity. And number three, the third thing that we need to treasure, that this gospel message is for all people. As a follower of Christ, he is giving you and I the opportunity to share the good news. You know what the greatest, greatest treasure of all is? It's those things that will last for eternity, right? <laughs> you know, when I do marriage counseling or premarital counseling with couples who are going to get married, we talk through like, you know, how to fight fair, things like that. And maybe sometimes we need to have a renewal of that, right? Ladies, men, how to fight fair. And like, like what hills do you want to die on? along the way? What are the hills that we need to die on along the way? And I usually tell them that typically we argue and get upset about things that are really temporary, right? I forgot to take out the trash. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have an argument about not taking out the trash, right? Right? Amen? It's temporary. What I should be concerned about, what we should argue about, those things that are going to last for eternity, those things that mean something along the way that are going to last forever are children, their salvation, our family, faith, those kind of things that can last forever if they know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This greatest treasure of all are the things that will last for eternity. So here's three simple questions for us, and then we're going to close. Now, one, who are the people in your life who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Who are they? Is it a mom and dad? Is it a grandma or grandpa? Is it your kids? Is it aunts and uncles? Is it neighbors? Is it co-workers? Who is it in your life that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? All people, right? This gospel message the angel was saying is for all people. 
not just for me, it's for all people and all the people that God puts along in my path. So who are those people in your life who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Question number two, what keeps you from sharing the good news with them? What keeps you and I from sharing the good news? Is it rejection? Well, hey, praise God, it happens. Not everybody who's going to hear the gospel message is going to accept it, right? Because we know it says in the scripture that the gate is wide that leads to destruction, that leads to hell, but the gate is narrow that leads to heaven. Not everybody is going to accept what you have to say. By the way, did they accept Jesus? No. He was rejected along the way. What keeps you from sharing the good news with those that are around you? And number three, what happens if Jesus comes back in 2021? Kevin's up here and he just, he predicted Jesus was coming back in 2021. Did you all hear that? That's what he said. It may happen. So what happens if Jesus literally comes back in 2021? And before you say that's not going to happen, you don't know. You all know that Jesus doesn't know. The only one who knows is Jesus' father, God himself. Jesus is on ready. He's there at the right hand of the father, probably asking him, hey, are, are we ready yet? Are we there yet, right? Are we there yet? How, how, how much worse can it get, God? Will, will you just let me go and get the church? Can I go now? What happens if it does happen in 2021? What about those people that you love that's around you or the people that God has put in your path? Who's gonna share the good news with them. First Peter 3.15 says, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Second Corinthians 5.20 says that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It's our responsibility it's not somebody else's. It's mine. So who has God put in your path? In a few days, it's going to be 2021, right? What happens in 2021? Will we do things that are going to last forever? Or will we do things that are very temporary? In a couple of weeks, on January 10th, I get the opportunity to baptize Frank right there in that baptistry. Most of y'all probably don't know who Frank is. Frank and his family are new to our church, but God put our paths together. And Frank comes to my office and we're talking about life, right? Things that are happening in life, things that he needs guidance for. And we always take it, I always take it back to who Jesus is. Do you know who Jesus is in your heart? I'm not talking about up here at your head. I'm talking about down here. Have you ever accepted Jesus into your life, into your heart to make a difference, to give you hope that's eternal? And a few months ago, Frank gave his life to Jesus. He had this head knowledge. He understood and he knew who Jesus was. He didn't have a heart knowledge. It wasn't making a difference in his life. Frank is part of my discipleship group. Chad is one of those guys in my discipleship group of five guys. And in two weeks, we'll share his story from the baptistry. Us men who are learning more about Jesus every week, about what he means in our lives and what, what it means for us to be these ambassadors, we'll be up here with him. Because the gospel message changed Frank's life.
And he changed the trajectory of what Frank is going to do the rest of his life. And his family is going to be impacted because of that. Who has God put in your path to let them know that Jesus loves them no matter what? Here's our impact point. We're done. The most important treasure to remember is the one that brought eternal life to you and is for all people in your life. And that's the good news of Jesus. Here's Mary. She's been through a lot, right, in the last year. She's engaged to be married. Finds out she's pregnant, the Holy Spirit. She's told that she's going to carry the Savior of the world. A teenage girl. Think about this probably 16, 17 years of age. And she's pondering these things. Here am I. I'm getting ready to give birth to the Savior of the world. What about you and I? What are we going to treasure along the way? And by the way, it's not about words. It's about actions, right? It's about actions. So what about if we do this in 2021? So you have 2020, right? 2021, there's a one at the end of that. What would happen if you and I prayed that God would bring at least one person across your path in 2021 to share the gospel with? One person. Is that asking too much? God saved you from death and destruction. Let's make 2021 that one person that God brings across your path where you can share the gospel message, the good news of who Jesus Christ is. Let me pray. 